a Rushman Rebirth, a Rushman Renaissance, a Rushman Reload. Let's workshop it. I don't know. I, I got a lot more. <laughs> I could come up with about 20, but the point is Ohio State looking for uh, a recovery of the greatness on the Ohio State defensive line. Larry Johnson and that group uh, meeting with the media on Thursday after practice, setting us up for some snap judgments on the podcast. That's Bill Landis. I am Austin Ward. What's it? I mean, I don't know which one we should use or stick with, but are they going to get back where they want to be? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in the group. Um, I just think they have the, the talent level collectively, I think, is as good as it's been probably in the last four years or so. Like even the 2019 defensive line obviously had tremendous talent at the top, but I, this one seems like it can be pretty deep. And, and I think that is, and we're going to talk about it, like we want to jump into the rotation conversation immediately. We might as well. Um, <laughs> Rushman rotation. Rushman rotation. Like I think... Like, there's a lot to get into, but I think my main thought on it is that there is not going to be as much of a drop-off as there was last year when they started mixing different guys in. Maybe they'll mix guys in more than some folks want them to, uh, <laughs> or, or uh, not enough in certain guys, but I do think the level of play across the board um, is going to remain a little bit more consistent than it did last year when they were doing that, assuming they do it again. Yeah, I mean, Larry Johnson seemed to make it pretty clear that, that that he will, that that's still, he bristled at the notion that like that's his philosophy, even though he has, you know, been pretty clear about that over the years and, and described it in that way. And certainly when it comes to playing 14, 15 games, I understand exactly where he's coming from. And I, I don't have any issue with that. You're, if you asked JT Tuimola out to play 800 snaps this year. That probably wouldn't be great for him. Probably wouldn't be great for Ohio State. Um, I tried to get a little more into it because Ryan Day from the top has made it pretty clear that he would like the best players, the top end players to be on the field in more uh, high leverage moments. Um, I'm paraphrasing. Those aren't his exact words, but that does seem to be the push there. And I think that beyond JT, Jack Sawyer and a rising Kenyatta and perhaps Caden Curry. I don't know that you could like three is probably the part where you're looking at a true rising threat as a pass rusher and Curry and Mitchell Melton fitting in maybe as Jack or doing some other things as depth. They're, they're going to need to play over the course of the year, but if it's a team backed up first and go uh, first and 10 inside their five, um, that's, I think the situational part that I was trying to get at with Larry Johnson, where he, you know, didn't want to go down that road it seemed like yeah I, I, it's a good point like i you want your best players out there i i just think like it's interesting to me when they talk about the ends specifically like it's it's jt jack and kenyatta it's not jt jack and then, like then kenyatta like i think they're even mm -hmm. or, or somewhat close to even so i don't have a problem with any of the three of them being out there for a high leverage snap like that's projection but that's how i feel right now mm -hmm. And honestly, like the position is kind of thin. I don't even know who else they put out there, so I don't really worry about it. Like Amari Abor is out. They're not going to put Josh Mickens or Alvaro Reese out there. The other guy is like Caden Curry, who if you want to play him, like I want to see Caden Curry play. So sure. I'm not – when it comes to the ends, like I'm like just just play the guys you have. Play the guys you have available because I, I think they can all contribute. I think tackle is a little bit of a different proposition. Um, there are certainly young guys there who I don't think are going to play a whole lot, but there's like Jaden McKenzie. Like is Jaden McKenzie going to play – 
25 snaps and Tyleek Williams is going to play 10 and Mike Hall is going to play like the same number as Jaden McKenzie. I think that's where you, and no offense to Jaden McKenzie, like we just haven't seen it. If he plays this year and he's awesome, I'll eat these words. Like, I don't, I don't that's fine. I don't, I'm fine being wrong. But that was the issue for me last year. It's like, why is, I don't know, why is Teron Vincent playing 500 snaps and Mike Hall, who I get was injured, is playing half of that and Tyleek Williams is playing half of that. That's the stuff that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I just don't know if that dynamic can exist this year because I just think there are more guys who are at the top level caliber of player that you want to see on the field that they can roll guys and not suffer a drop in play. I think that will be the most interesting part is that the top end almost has to. You you touched on it. Larry Johnson certainly deserves credit for recruiting JT Tuimolau, Jack Sawyer, Kenyatta Jackson. Like he got high level pass rushers that are you know heading into their second or third year and are really ready to go and appear more than capable of wrecking teams game plans but there have also been classes that have been a little bit devoid or lighter on defensive ends and so the depth beyond that that next wave you don't immediately see that and like we're talking about arvell reese and josh mickens going out there to practice and like you know getting reps and having jt and jack work them through some things those guys are unlikely to be ready to play and you're, you're then counting a lot on Caden Curry, uh, who didn't get a, as many opportunities as maybe we would have expected a year ago, plus Mitchell Melton, who's coming off of an injury. I really like the potential in both of them, but that is still a little bit of a roll of the dice. Yep. But if you don't have any choice, like you don't have any choice. Yeah, it's just it's not a, it's not a deep position. And like I, I think I'm, I, I'm with you on make sure your best players are out there when it matters most. Like 100%, I believe that. If the conversation is like really cut down on rotating in general, I'm probably not quite there. Mm-hmm. Especially in a world where you don't have that many guys. Like you have you have let's call it three ends. Like you need to balance that out. You can't play one guy seventy snaps a game and then by the time you get to the Penn State game, like JT doesn't have his legs. Like you gotta you gotta be careful about that stuff. And yeah. I actually think it's a benefit for Ohio State this year that they can work in more guys that I think will play at a high level than they could last year. Um like, there were times when they put certain guys in, and, like, there was a noticeable dip. Like, the defense just did not perform as well. Teams moved the ball on them easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I am envisioning that happening less frequently, even when they take guys like JT and Jack and Mike off the field. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I can argue against that point. Um, when you move inside, uh, Tyleek Williams uh, was part of the group that talked to the media on Thursday morning, said that he'd been working back through some things. Uh, on the practice field. He still had the brace on when he left on Thursday, but he took it off to talk uh, to us, said that he was feeling better. He was glad that it happened on the first day of camp and not the last day of camp. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I I, I would agree with that. I guess prefer that it wouldn't happen at all. It's good that he's out there. Um, What he's able to do, I don't know. Like he, he did sort of hint at the idea that he's maybe not doing a whole lot, but he is out there like moving around and doing some stuff. So I don't know. Like he's a, I don't. He's the kind of guy that I think cannot afford to miss practice reps because he needs to stay on top of that conditioning. And, and he said he's gotten better at that. He feels like, but he's not all the way where he wants to be. Um, there's probably enough time for him to get his wind in camp and be ready for the start of the season. But that's assuming that he is full go or close to full go in practice. And, and we don't know that he is, but it's at least good that he's not totally out anymore. What do you envision for the rest of that group inside? Um. I am curious, like, who is the fourth guy, I think? And is it Taiwan Malone? Is it Hero Canoe? Who we, we didn't talk to Hero. 
or anyone younger than him. We did talk to Taiwan Malone. Hero wanted to. He st he came yeah. up and stood right next to me and he was like, does. <laughs> "Yeah, he wants he wants his time." Uh, I, I want to talk to Hero. He's a nice kid. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And is it? If, if, maybe it's not four. Maybe it's five. Um, I think like and this goes back to what we were talking about the, like er, earlier or just just a minute ago. The floor of that group seems considerably higher this year than it, than it was last year, and probably the year before. I feel like most years. There's one guy or two guys you can feel really good about. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna tell me that Tyleek is conditioned enough to play 20 snaps a game, and you throw Tywin Malone in that mix, like that is a really good foursome. But I I don't know that they've had a foursome that good in the time that I've been covering the team, or or the, a foursome that could be mm -hmm. as good as I'm envisioning for them. So, and and like there's good interior pass rush. Like I might worry a little bit about run stopping because you don't like the only guy in there is like sort of like a big beefy dude is Tyleek and. Run stopping is not really his specialty. I think Ty, or Ty Hamilton probably has a big say in that too. So when Larry was talking about that, like we got to stop the run before anybody worries about how many sacks we get, we have to stop the run first. And, and I'm kind of there too. But in terms of being able to get after quarterbacks with, with the array of pass rushers they have inside, outside, I think you can see an uptick in pressures this year. Yeah, I think they need it. A lot of this, you know, hand-wringing at the other levels, secondary, like, if you can get the football out and force more bad decisions up front, now obviously it works together and works in tandem. But I, I think, and Larry Johnson seemed to be more willing to consider the idea that they weren't getting enough consistency from all four parts of the line, everybody on the field from the last couple of years than he, you know, has ever previously admitted that something has to change and be more effective and productive up there. And I, they're going to start a number one as they always do by stopping the run and. In the moments where they absolutely had to, um, in the second half of the game last year, they didn't get that done. So I think that part sticks in their mind. Um, but that's identifying players that is, you know, part of the rotation and other opportunities. When we saw even in week one, that whole group was fully fresh. There were people on the field that maybe, uh, you know, shouldn't have been. Notre Dame marches it down the field and is able to run the ball however they want. So whether that's week one or week 12 or, or a college football playoff, obviously that part's important. And then you saw just fractions of an inch that they needed a little bit more. Zach Harrison could have won them uh, the Peach Bowl if, if his hand was in it. If he either put it in a different place or he got there one-tenth of a second faster. It's not, that, it's not that this group has been totally ineffective or has lost their way. They're just they're not at the standard that Larry Johnson has built or that Ohio State expects and that they are probably going to require if they're going to win the last three or four games of the season that they want to. Yeah, and it's the, I think the secondary is just as much of a, a part of the conversation as defensive line, and the fact that we hear so much about disruptive plays, deflections, interceptions, tells me that both of those units are doing their job effectively. Um, I guess the flip of that is like the offensive line is not, but um, even some of the guys we're talking to today, so like the offensive line does seem like it's coming along for whatever that's worth. But I think the combination of like having really good corners, having more experienced safeties in this defense, playing a little bit stickier coverage is going to help the guys up front do some of that stuff. And then, you know, there's stuff that guys up front can do too. Like JT was talking a lot about his first step getting better. Like what, do you, what did you make of that? Is that nor normal off-season chatter that doesn't really translate to something different in the season? Or do you think that is a tangible difference? Right? I remember going, you know, into Larry's office six or seven or eight years ago at this point. I did this multiple times. I did it with you know, the Bosa brothers, each one, and I did it with Chase Young where, you know, Larry would talk about the, and I've actually seen him do it, he's done it with me, where it's film, pause, step, 
over and over and over looking at every step and he does go so in depth with it i remember with chase young it was he was showing me high school recruiting steps and like he's like can you see the difference and how how bad this looks how long it looks that's not what we teach and like watch this compared year over year over year right this we always talk about like a sophomore surge and it hasn't always happened for every guy on the same timeline but that's sort of where it begins to click for Ohio State defensive lineman with the way he teaches that toolbox. I'm going to use all of the Larry Johnson coaching cliches at once out here. But it takes time not just to know how to do it, but then to take it to the field and execute it. And you have to drill it tens of thousands of times. So I think that it's real. I've seen it happen. Not everybody is going to go to a Bosa or Young level. That's just a fact. Those people are rare humans. But I think JT's physical attributes put him in that category. I think Jack has been doing this for such a long time and is certainly coming into his own mentally, physically, all of the above, you know, after a uh, difficult year and trying to learn the Jack and all that stuff. I would really be surprised if they didn't get the results of that. And I think, you know, Kenyatta is maybe the more apt example of that raw clay and then into year two and the jump. And I think maybe you're seeing that or hearing some of that in the practices, but I think it's real, um, and anytime you set your mind to accomplishing something and emphasize that, you're you're more likely than not to get results. I agree. I, I also think it's real. I like to hear Jack in particular talk about how he trimmed, I think he said like 7% of his body fat, which I don't, that sounded like a big number to me, but I, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Percentage um, is applied yeah, differently. Yeah. yeah um, well, not really. But he feels, That's math, America. But he said he feels twitchier, which was the more yeah. important thing, which I... I I, and I'm sure a lot of people thought that he lost when he put on weight that he probably should not have put on to play the jack position last year. He seems to have shed that. He looks much better. And if he's feeling quicker, I think that leads to more production. And if JT is feeling quicker, that leads to more production. I think, like, Caden Curry is a guy who doesn't know how to play any way but quick. I think I think he's going to be disruptive. And Kenyatta is, like, to me, pure speed off the edge that they could really use in this defense. So the four of those guys together, plus whatever you get from Mitchell Melton and C.J. Hicks at the jack position, interior pass rush like I, I do think this is a line that we'll see affecting quarterbacks and like feel their presence more than we have the last couple of years larry johnson said he doesn't coach the jack are we playing coy with the unleashing of this position does it is it not going to exist no it'll exist um I, I mean i believe he doesn't coach that he coaches the guys who play the jack but when they go do jack things he's not the one coaching them if that makes sense and it's not just his guys who are doing it. Like, we know C.J. Hicks is a linebacker is doing it. So, I don't know. He doesn't seem to like the position all that much. I think that, <laughs> that much is clear. I'm not saying anything surprising there. But just because he doesn't like it doesn't mean they're not going to use it. I think they are going to use it. For them. For, I think it's going to be a weapon for the defense this year, whether that's Mitchell or C.J. That would seem pretty effective if you had to find a way to get C.J. Hicks involved. I am in favor of getting C.J. Hicks involved <laughs> in the defense, believe it or not. I thought you might be. That's that's the kind of hard-hitting take you can only find on Snappy Jays. Thanks for joining us on a Thursday in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. We'll be back tomorrow with some Freaky Friday. Uh, we've got, if you want to send some questions, do that at OhioState.Rivals.com. We are going to do a training camp mailbag. We want to answer whatever is on your mind, so make sure that you send those our way. We'll dive into them and break that down tomorrow on the podcast. Thanks again for joining us to break down the defensive line. For Bill, I'm Austin. Talk to you later.